all of our lives, Lord, that, that our relationship to you will be contagious. That's a good word, Lord. That will infect other people. And that, Lord, what you do in our life will splash over, change metaphors, into the lives of people around us. So, Father, as your servant this morning, I thank you selfishly, first of all, for the things that I learned in preparing. And then, Father, thank you for what you're going to do because you have promised that your word will not return void, but it will accomplish what you wanted to do. And so, Father, make our hearts and minds and lives receptive to what you want us to know today. Lord, every time we read and study and hear your word taught, we keep adding to the foundation of our life. We become stronger and stronger, Lord. Thank you for that. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for the doctrine of grace and for what it's done in my life and our lives. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen, amen. <coughs> the handout for Grace 4, and, and, and by the way, this is the last time I'll speak specifically on the doctrine of grace. You know me, I love the whole concept of grace so much that uh, I hope I smell like grace. I hope it just comes out of my pores. And uh, I appreciate your responses to these messages. This is, I think, number four. We've had some uh, changes because of other things that have come up, but uh, Grace 4, 10, 15, it says up there. And so this is at least number four, and so that's what I've called it. But um, to help us continue to grow and I'll never stop talking about grace, but uh, this morning I will cover the fourth area that uh, we've talked about the definition of grace, and I'm kind of getting ahead here, but um, that's unmerited favor that's unlimited from a God who provides everything that we need. So if you look at the handout this morning, that's why I'm making reference to it. Uh, Romans 6.14, John 1.16, New Living Translation. John 1.16, the New American Standard Bible. And then uh, this little paragraph in here that I've included, the little commentary that uh, I, in my studies this past week, I love this, just to uh, pass the name, second line down towards the end says that this verse, 116, denotes a perpetual and rapid succession of blessings, as though there were no interval between the arrival of one blessing and the receipt of the next. In the idea of Jesus' fullness, at the very least, John wants us to see that in him, we get all the grace that we need it's an inexhaustible supply. <laughs> oh, I love this. I love this. I love it. I, love it. Um, I was thinking this morning, how many of you grew up on a farm? One. Okay. I didn't grow up on a farm, but I worked on one for 13 years. Uh, and one of the things that I remember is that, uh, and I learned the 
uh, work ethic of working hard. I mean, we had long days starting at four in the morning and not stopping until the hay got too tough to bale. But uh, when we'd come in from the field and we were just very, very dirty, very sweaty, uh, and I wanted to put my head under that pump out in the backyard, that would be a pump, you know. Absolutely ice, freezing, cold water. Well, the people that I worked for and lived with, who became like my second, Mike, can you hear me all right? Became like my second parents. Uh, uh, he said, no, 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 don't put your head under that pump. He said, that's too shocking to the body. He said, run the cold water uh, on your wrist right here in the bottom part. Because he said, this then will circulate through your whole body and cool you off. That's a side note to this paragraph that I just read to you here. When I read this and think about grace that, um, no interval, just, <laughs> I, I think of this pump and the metal cup that we had by the pump. What, what, did, what did you call that stuff, Iris? I forgot to ask you on the way here, that, that blue white speckled Pans and cups and what was that called? You remember? The red enamel cups. Okay, well, anyway, it was a blue and white spot, and I know they had red and white other colors too. But we had a cup like that by the pump. And when I think about this paragraph, that uninterrupted, never ending, I think of that cup that I held under there, and I just felt that cold water fill that metal cup splash over onto my hands. That's a mental image that I get when I think about God's grace coming. It's like that pump that never ends. It just comes cold on and on and on. It's flashing over and always there. And that's the grace that God gives us, folks. I think I, I, I told you, maybe I said that here already, but I... In the morning, I sing, uh, especially uh, on Sunday mornings when I uh, when I take one of my showers. Um, I sing, uh, "Jesus is the sweetest name I know." Did I say this already? Well, we have a house guest from New Zealand, our grandson, our grandson-in-law. The mother's from New Zealand, but she's our house guest. So, Normally, I just belt it out loud enough that, uh, fortunately, my shower is in the middle of the house, so my neighbors can't hear us. But so this morning I couldn't do that because we have a house guest, so I didn't. I felt that one had belt it out, and so I, when I I come in and take my shower as I wake Iris up in the morning on Sundays at seven o'clock, and so I came in and I said. Jesus is the sweetest name I know, and he's just the same as his lovely name. About that bother. But God's grace, wow. Tell you, thank you for for the emails that I have received. Thank you for the comments that have been made. Thank you for the way that this doctrine has helped your lives. And now my life. My life. 
I told you my background, so I don't need to repeat that. But realize that God's grace, God's grace. And so, uh, so far we've talked about the fact that God's grace is that unmerited, unlimited blessings of God based on the totally adequate work of Christ. Unmerited, we've covered that. Unlimited, we've covered that. The illustration of the chocolate cake that never gets smaller. Of course, I would make a food. Based on the totally adequate work of Christ. And so, sometimes people, when you talk about God's grace, and unfortunately, I have pastors that are, are afraid to, not afraid, but hesitant to preach too much on grace because uh, you know, people think that that's a license to do things that are wrong. If, if that's an attitude that people have, they do not understand grace. My relationship to, to Iris is a grace relationship. Uh, I don't ever say to her, sweetheart, you know, I worked hard this week, you owe me. And she never says to me, sweetheart, I do all your laundry, you owe me. No. When you have a grace relationship to someone, you don't have that attitude. You do it because you love them, because you want to do it, and you fall over your own feet trying to help and to bless somebody in your life that you love. And that should be our attitude of grace. Not that I have a license. Um, anyway, if, if our attitude is that grace gives us a license to do what is wrong, and I think I'm a little too hot. You ought to turn it down a little bit. Okay. Uh, then you don't understand the doctrine of grace. Because if you understand the doctrine of grace, you don't think about getting by with something. You don't think to yourself, well, you know, I can always be forgiven. Well, yes, you can be forgiven. But um, grace does not give us a license, obviously. There are some, but by the way, you know, there are specific commands in Scripture. And... Uh, and I was thinking about that. That's why I asked for this Bible to be brought up to me because I think I marked the passage. It says, uh, here are some commands. Now, church age commands come from the church age epistles. Those are the ones, you know, the New Testament that were written after Acts which is a history book, by the way. We read this morning from uh, Philippians chapter 4, therefore. And it says, uh, Rejoice in the Lord always again, I will say, rejoice. Okay, folks, that's a command. That is a church age command. Rejoice always, okay? If you're not rejoicing, you're sinning. And if you're sinning, you need to ask God to push you out of Jerry Aglin, be anxious for nothing. When 
I worry and become anxious, I'm committing a sin. And I've shared with you, it's no secret. It is no secret. What God uh, rejoice in the Lord always. Be anxious for nothing. So when I worry, that's a sin. When I sin, I have to ask God to forgive me. Do I have to ask God to forgive me because I've lost my relationship to Him? No. What I've lost is my fellowship. When I worry, it's it's a it's a form of of uh, atheism. I'm, I'm I'm not believing when I worry that God is capable of taking care of the issue of worrying about. It's a sin. Pastor Jay sins. I have to ask for forgiveness. If you worry, you are breaking this church age command, and you need to ask God to forgive you when you catch yourself worrying. Everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Are you thankful in everything? I don't think we have to necessarily be thankful for everything, but I, we have to be thankful in everything. Lord, I'm not thankful that my balance seems to get worse. No, I'm not thankful for that, but I am thankful in it. Because some of the benefits from that is, uh, I get a little, I've got some great TLC from my My balance is not good. Um, so, I don't, I'm not thankful for everything, if you understand the difference, but I can be thankful in everything. So, I've already had three commands here. Okay, three commands. Don't be anxious. Be thankful in all things. Rejoice always. My goodness, three verses, three commands. Can you work on that this week? We work on it all the time. So, if people say, well, I've had pastors say this to me. I've been immersed in gay grace for so long, sometimes I'm wondering, Jerry, is it really true that there are pastors who hesitate to preach too much on grace because he's afraid he's going to have the congregations going to get out of control? No. If it's out of control, then I'll let God deal with you. I can't stand up here and say, folks, you're not praying <laughs> I can't stand up here and say you worry too much. Shame on you. You don't read your Bible for an hour every day. Shame on you. I can't do that. I can't do that. I know that guilt does cause people to do things out of guilt. But guilt never lasts. Never lasts. You know that. So there are some do's and there are some don'ts. And... Um, so we have talked positive, negative commands, and so on. Do not lie to one another, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you. These are the things that we should do. So there are specific things. These are specific commands to the church and to us. And uh, the, 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 
the, the church epistles are full of these commands. And uh, so there are specific commands, and I just shared those with you. But not everything is covered. Not everything is covered. So people say, well, God, you know, what should I do about that? And I'll, I'll give you a, a real example. The card game of Rook uh, came out several years ago now. But when our church school choir traveled, big hub of Rook, thing, Rook on, the, on the buses when they were traveling. Because we were raised to not play cards. And my, looking at the background, it's because of the people came and played and the joker and those cards. For some reason, the face cards had some evil connotation to them. And I had no idea what they were. But the big discussion, and I can verify it, the big discussion was when the choir traveled, and I wasn't on the choir when I heard about it. Is it all right for us to play a rook? And big discussion. And so, you know, there are specific commands for us in the church age, okay? But there are a lot of gray areas as well. And one of them was playing rook. There's no face cards in rook, if I remember the game right. But it's a card game. And uh, um, so, is it wrong or is it right? There was no, there is no verse. There was no verse. And uh, when I was traveling with our Iris and our team from school, we, uh, I was doing the preaching and Iris was on a trio that sang. And we went across the country in the evangelical free churches promoting the school. I remember Tom, we drove in a woody all the cross country. A car now, I wish you wish we had. Did you have a woody? I wish we had, but that's what we traveled in, all the way across from Chicago, Illinois to California, <coughs> stopping at all the evangelical free churches, not all of them, I should say, but several of them along the way. And Iris and the trio sang, and Jerry preached, and Bennett Anderson was our adult uh, sponsor when we were traveling. Well, the girls, because it was hot, we got to Nebraska, and the girls were wearing pedal pushers. And can you believe it that the pastor of that church that we stopped at in Phillips, Nebraska, called our president of the school and complained that the girls would wear pedophiles and show that much skin. And we got scolded for it and told them we couldn't, the girls couldn't wear those anymore. Uh, of course, you get to California and everything is okay in California, you know that. But, um, and so my point is this, and if you get nothing else from this number four of grace, there are a lot of things in scripture that are, don't have specific commands. Be anxious for nothing, that's specific. But not everything. And so you play Rook and you look. What does the Bible have to say about Rook? Well, I looked it up in the concordance and there's nothing in the Bible about Rook. I couldn't find the word. And so, what, what do you do? What do you do? 
Well, that's kind of a not a real serious one, but when you get into Corinthians about the weaker brother and about eating meat, it gets pretty serious. But so what happens? There, there's no specific commands. So God says, "What God? Not God did God say?" So what God has done is that we do have specific commands. I talked about that, but then He said. I'm going to give you principles, and I want to share those with you this morning, just the next few minutes, just to give you the idea so you understand. There's not specific commands, but God gives us principles in Scripture. And, uh, and so, principles. We have a church on the north side, not too far from our house, that likes to be pretty specific about what you can and can't do. And if you have a question, call the pastor and he'll tell you. You can wear pedal slippers or not. But, and somebody told me that there are people who like edges in their life. They like to know, I can do this, can't do that. I can do this, I so there are people who have a natural tendency to need hedges. You need hedges in their lives. But, so let me give you one, just one principle, and I, that's about all the that I'm going to give. Uh, all 1 Corinthians 6, 12, and it's probably a handout that Bonnie gave out. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me. Here's the principle. But I will not be mastered by anything. That's a principle. That's a principle that you can use in a lot of areas of life. A lot of areas of life. My pastor friend from Kansas City, who's now passed away, but was also one of my Greek teachers, he had a neighbor that loved gardening. He'd come home from work and he is out there gardening in his white shirt and his tie. He's holding the peas and the carrots. And uh, early in the morning, he looked out his back window. My pastor friend, the neighbor, is out on his way to work. But before he goes to work, he takes one more row of onions and holds that row. Comes home at five, he's out there in his white shirt and tie. So, I'm not going to be mastered by anything. Now, does that neighbor, is he having a problem with being mastered? I don't know. I don't know. He can't sleep at night because he didn't hold a row of carrots. Well, he's probably being mastered. You have no right, listen carefully, you have no right to use your liberty to challenge a, a, a fellow Christian. Okay? Uh, do I like a beer once in a while? Well, the problem is, beer doesn't like me, so I can't drink it. I like the taste. But like it doesn't like me. But I remember 
in the previous church that I served, somebody came to me and said, Pastor Jerry, I was over at one of our members' homes, and they told me to go in the refrigerator and get some cold water. Do you believe that they hear in the refrigerator? He said, Pastor, I think we need to do something about that. Well, fortunately, I didn't. But here's the thing. The person whose house they were at, whose beer was in the refrigerator, if he's got the liberty to have a bottle of beer once in a while, you have no right to exercise your lack of liberty by challenging somebody who has that. Now, could beer master somebody? Absolutely. There are alcoholics who know that. But, um, so, all things are lawful for me. That's what Paul, and I've got to quit. And I'm, just, and I'm so excited about this whole topic. I, I may just go back on it again. I apologize. I'll, I'll ask, uh, I'll go through the session and see if that's okay if I do. But there's nothing in the Bible that says thou shalt not garden. My daddy had a fig tree garden. Remember? Are you old enough to remember those? They were down by the railroad track. My daddy went down there every night with a pail of water. And he worked, but he couldn't master one. He, he didn't have any problems. He couldn't get down there. By the way, to start, you can get philosophical. You know, is it okay for weeds to grow as tall as a tomato? Is that okay? What's wrong with that? Weeds have a right to grow. No? You do not have the right to apply principle to anyone else but yourself. The first presbytery, I'm so proud of the Cumberland Church. And when I tell people that I am serving a church that loves, loves to hear God's word taught, it stays out of other people's lives. Come, Jerry, start a church here. Please, we need that. Because people become lifetime, lifestyle referees. Not only do we want to study the Bible, but we want to tell everybody else how to live. And that's called a lifestyle referee. Stay away from that. It's not your business. You know, if, if you are free enough to have a beer once in a while after a hot day, then have one. But don't go to somebody else and say, oh, you prude. What do you mean you can't have one of those? Have a taste. It's not going to happen. So here's the two things. Number one, you do not have the right to apply the principle to anyone else but yourself. Take that truth with you, please. I love coffee. And when we're out, Iverson and I are out running errands, she teases me because I go from one place that serves coffee to the next. I have a bank that serves coffee. I have Ace Hardware that serves coffee. I have Lowe's uh, Hardware store serves coffee. I know where to find that stuff when I get in there. So I, she says, why do you go from coffee pot to coffee pot? Well, you know, it just happens to be there. And I tease my doctor because he doesn't have a coffee pot in the office when I come in. So I tease him and I said, you know, I'm going to have to find a different doctor where they have coffee. But 
I like coffee. Does it matter to me? Do I get to eat burgers if I don't get to my cup of coffee? If you're a big coffee drinker and you stop, you'll feel it back here when you withdraw the caffeine. It gets there right here. So, if somebody, I don't have a right to say to somebody else, come on, loosen up, have some coffee. I tease about our great grandson because I was having coffee when I was three years old. I was fed by Scandinavian Swedes on a teaspoon, mostly cream, and a little bit of coffee. And so we have a great-grandson, and I keep telling our granddaughter, you see them quite often, that I'm, when she's not around, I'm going to start giving her coffee. <laughs> so you can learn to like it. She said, you better not, you better not. So the principle is this. Don't let anything master you. And that's a broad, broad brush. Whether it's a video game that keeps you awake at night, or whether it's alcohol that interferes with your social life and your work, or it's reading a book. Whatever it is, the principle is this. And there are a lot of them in Scripture. Don't let anything master Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that your grace is unmerited. We've known that, Lord. Unlimited. It never, never, never gets exhausted. We cannot break the bank when it comes to grace. Lord, it's, it's like that cold water. It's like that flow of coming through our life, Lord. Always there, blessing us because of the work that your Son has done for us. So, Father, help us to know that there are specific commands. We should not worry. We should be thankful in all things. We should pray about everything. Lord, there's so many of them that we don't keep them. But then, Father, there are also Principles for us. Like, don't let anything master you. But I think of those disappointing situations where people say one thing to me and then I go to the town next door and I see they're doing just the opposite. Lord, I would rather have a person who is just upfront and honest, Lord, and not to be hiding things, Lord. Not to say one thing, but that, Lord, behind my back, you want to So, Father, I thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you that you are a God of grace. Thank you that you are the freest that we'll ever be in our life when we have a personal relationship with you, Lord. You set us free. Thank you for that, Father. Thank you for this morning in Christ's name. Amen. I apologize, I went over, so. We will sing two, four times.